Thank you for listening to this audio recording from the pastoral team at Church of the Redeemer, an Anglican church in Greensboro, North Carolina. If you'd like to know more about Church of the Redeemer, its ministry, or its mission, then visit us online at RedeemerGSO.org. Each time we gather together on Sunday, we are going through Minskal Easter remembrances, the first day of the week when our Lord Jesus Christ conquered death and rose to restore hope and joy amongst his children and followers of God. So we are so happy to be here, and I'm thankful to God for allowing me through the invitation of my brother, Bishop Hawkins, to be the preacher this morning. I want to start by saying I want to feel like a Paul this morning, reading and writing to the church in Philippi, where Paul writes, I've heard about the wonderful things in your ministry and witness amongst God's children. I've heard about the joy you celebrate together as followers of our Lord Jesus Christ. Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. Redeemer, we've heard many good things about you. And we celebrate your witness in this area. Being the light of the world to illumine dark spots which are really needed in this world. We are celebrating Advent. And we are now in the third week of the new church year. A season we call Advent. Advent ushers in a time of anticipation, preparation, and waiting for something great to come. The question is, why we call it the church year? Why is the church year necessary? Actually, this is a very highly debated question because as you hang out and interact with people, you're going to see a group of people who say, we don't celebrate the church here. That is for all those folks, the Anglicans and uh, the Catholics. But for us, we don't celebrate the church here, which is wrong. Because they do, but sometimes they don't realize it. What happens is that they will join us on celebrating Christmas and then retire. And they will come back and celebrate with us along our taglines to celebrate Easter. And they go back and retire. And then they tell you we don't celebrate the church year. They're just lazy observers of the church year. <laughs> we are the active ones. But we're not again just doing it for the sake of a ritual. It is, has so many symbols that must be remembered and practiced on a daily basis as we walk our faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to start by saying that the church here was something initiated through the wisdom of the church fathers who came up with this wonderful plan which enables us to stay on the course all year round. Therefore, for active Christians like you and me, there is no lousy part of our church here. The church here is divided into two parts. From Advent to Ascension, we celebrate the first part of the church year, which, during which we revisit and learn and revise God's acts of love to mankind. 
God so loved the world, we start that with, as we prepare for, in Advent for Christmas, when God came in human form for the love of mankind. And therefore, from when we started Advent, all the way to Ascension, we will be learning God's acts of love for us as human beings. And then from Ascension, all the way to Christ the King, which we celebrated a few weeks ago, we are dealing with man's response to God's love. Man's response to God's love. Some of, some of our friends, some churches, we call it ordinary season. It's kind of lax where you go. It's, after all, it is vacation, summer, traveling. You don't have to go to church. Wrong. They call it ordinary time, but I want to say I prefer to call it extraordinary time. Because this is the time when what we learnt in the first part is put into practice. That's when the rubber meets the road and the shaky tires get busted. When we are called upon to put in action all that we learned about God's act of love and how to emulate him by doing the same. Extraordinary times. In normal school, Christ the King Sunday would be a kind of graduation. But for us Christians, it is either a repeat of the class you didn't do well, or we move to the next class but we stay in Jesus' class. Christianity is the only class where we don't graduate here on earth. Our graduation is assured at the end of time when ultimately our Lord Jesus Christ will come, will return to judge the quick and the dead, to usher in his own, the faithful, into their places in the realms yonder. Meanwhile, we stay in school learning how to be faithful and being faithful workers in Christ's vineyard. Being a Christian has no break time, has no time for being lousy. While leaving out what we learned in the first part of the church year, yes, the lazy and lousy will drop out, but they keep, the tough must keep going. And so today I want to encourage you to stay among those who are resilient in keeping following all year round. Those who worked hard and those who failed are given yet another opportunity either to sharpen their resilience or to correct their mistakes, their sins and their failures in the past year. That's why immediately we dropped the last church year. We started another church year. Hence, Advent season. Since we do not graduate, and Christ as King has become an assessment Sunday, evaluating our faithfulness to God and how we were in the past year, and then make resolutions to be better students in Jesus' class. Actually, that's where the whole thing about resolutions in the church year began. When Christians are making resolutions to be better students, to be better candidates, to follow Christ the right way. And so we begin again and review where we, we failed most. 
And in those areas, we ask ourselves, was I lax in prayer? And you promised to do better. Was I slow in forgiving others? And we promised to do better. Did I really fulfill that great commandment of loving neighbor as I love self? Before long, we realize that we cannot do all it all right. And so we need help. And because we need help, we need Christ to keep us going. We need Christ to remind us. We need Christ to walk beside us. That is true of all areas where we did not make the grade. And therefore, these church seasons become minuscule moments of rehearsing what will ultimately happen when the Lord comes back. Thank God for church that gives us opportunities to rehearse, correct the grade, do it right, try again, and keep going. True Christians do not worry about when he will come. So don't listen for those. Don't follow those who keep marking. Remember 2000 when they told us Jesus is coming? I keep wanting to go and visit those preachers who told us Jesus was coming in 2000. And he didn't come. And they are still preaching today. Ours is not to mark days when he will come. Paul condemned that when he was speaking to the church in Thessalonica. James requires us to keep going, to be resilient. Don't think about when he will come, but keep busy and be assured that what he said, he will fulfill. He never lies. Therefore, he will eventually come back. But meanwhile, we do not see it idly waiting for his return. We get busy in the vineyard and work hard, so hard, as if he shall never return again, as if we belong here and we are doing everything here. But then we have to be determined and resilient to make sure that what we touch, what we start doing, we finish at the right time as if he's coming back today. Our job requires those engagements to keep us busy working in the vineyard, not sitting down because it is a lousy season. The church here gives us numerous opportunities of trying to get this right, so much so that when the real last day comes, we shall have no excuse that we didn't know. But back to Advent. Advent therefore becomes a time for assessing, analyzing, and being ready for his second coming. Just like the bishop said, we are living in that period of he came and he will come again. So yes, a time is coming when he will come. But we now, this is a time for celebrating the gift that God gave us out of love, his son Jesus Christ. He loved us and he cares about us. Advent prompts us to exercise those acts of Christian virtues, joy, anticipation, anxiety, because the preparation for Christmas enables us to rehearse for the coming of our Lord. After all, Advent is a countdown to the big day, 
And remember the first Sunday we lit one candle. We've been going up, up, up. Today we lit the third candle, which reminds us of the joy that every Christian must have as we live out our faith, not only in good times, but also in bad times. There's an old-time story. Among the many stories told about the origin of the Advent candles, somewhere about in a small village in Europe, a kind of village where everybody knows everybody else, and so people sat in, their, in the porch in their house close by the road, and they watched as people went back home retiring as they are walking down the street, this dirty road going back home, either walking or riding a horse back home. And because they loved each other, they greeted each other. Hi, good, good afternoon, good evening, God bless you. And this old guy came up with a practice of lighting an oil candle and putting it in the porch. The first advent, he lit one candle. The second advent, he lit two. And soon it became a practice among others because he was a good leader. Others copied him. That became eventually a way of telling a Christian's home. That as people moved up and down the streets, they could say, oh, he's a Christian. Did you see the lights? Did you see the candles at his porch? Oh, it is for three, two, one Sunday to Christmas. Now the first question I want to ask, what would people see in your home today? Because unfortunately the Christmas lights or the Advent lights have been robbed by Walmart and the secular world that sometimes we are so scared even to try putting them. They have become a secular world thing. What, would, what do you do in your home, in your church, to show that you're a people of light. Especially when winter is here, it gets darker first. And we are reminded of the darkness that bedevils the hidden world. As this old gentleman was removing the clutter in his porch to put to place to prepare a place where he would put the Advent candles, it reminded him of John's exhortation, prepare the way of the Lord. It became a practical application of leaving out his faith in public by proclaiming that which he was and he is, a practical way and public way of sharing his faith. The church is yearning for people of the light to be the symbol of light, especially when darkness is enshrouding the world around us, when everybody is losing hope, when everybody has no joy, that they come to a Christian, they come to a church to find joy, and true joy is found amongst the worshippers in that place. Advent is calling us to be the examples of our Lord Jesus Christ in the world today. Because I'm looking at the church here as a whole, I want to take you 
to one of the seasons that will come eventually about around Easter, Good Friday to Easter, because I want to mention the categories of people who are still true to this day. On Good Friday, when we are when we're reading the story of the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ, we come face to face with the paradoxes of our faith. The instrument of torture became the instrument of salvation. The instrument of death became the instrument of life. The death penalty for criminals becomes the throne of the king of heaven and earth. Actually, when you analyze Golgotha or Calvary, you find four kinds of people. It was true then, it is still true now. The same kind of people still visibly are present in the church or in our community today. On Golgotha, there were those who were enemies of Christ, those who tortured him. And today they still torture the followers and lovers of Christ. We call them the soldiers in the story, but today they're present in different parts of the world, those categories of people. There were also a group of onlookers, those who were just following for the sake of it. They came by, they were not necessarily friends of our Lord. They came to look on as spectators. They had no feelings necessary, but just watching. Then when there were those of Mary, the mother of Jesus and her friends, maybe John, who were mourning the act of torture, but they had nothing to do. They watched the mourned, and eventually they went home. And then there were two others. One of them wins the greatest prize. Those who were suffering with Christ, the two criminals who were hanging beside him. And one of them wins the prize when he recognizes the king and says, Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. I find it, I find it amazing that those four categories of people are still recognizable in the church today. We have enemies of Christ. That's why we pray for the persecuted church every Sunday. We have onlookers. They're in church, but they're just looking. They don't care much about Christ or whatever is happening in the church. We have those who are mourning Christ's pain, but they are following from a distance. They're not sure about committing. And then there are those, maybe you and me, who suffer with him, walk with him, do the dirty jobs, but keep following. Christ himself tells us to suffer with him. He says, carry your cross, but follow me. So stop listening to these TV churches, which talk about when you become a Christian, everybody's glam everything is glamorous, you get rich, everything is answered, everything is perfect, everything. You just walk and Christ does everything for you. Wrong. Christianity is about Suffering with Christ and in Christ. Carry your cross and follow him. Christ never told us to sit on his cross, so he carries us. 
He told us to carry our cross like he did, but keep walking. Christianity therefore has a lot to do with suffering with Christ and a very little with having good time with Christ. And then we come to the other mystery of Christendom. Those who suffer with Christ prepare themselves for eternal life and the eternal bliss. I want to remind you of who we actually are. We are warriors in Christ's army. We've just ended the midterm elections, and I believe what happened in Texas, yes, happened here. And as it was getting nasty and close and people fighting each other and doing all the nasty things you have seen on TV, I remember a few days before the final day when I saw a post on Facebook which made sense to me. It said, don't let the elephants and donkeys make you forget that you belong to the Lamb. Don't make the elephants and the donkeys make you forget that you belong to the Lamb. Christians belong to greater power, no secular power, no powers here can turn us into being prey to their sways and their lifestyles. We belong to a greater God who has greater power, the King of heaven and earth, the one who checks our marks and wants us to inherit eternal life with him. As Christians, there's no time when we are and a time when we are not for Christ. In and out of season, we are for and in Christ. I want to package this by reminding you of the promises we make or made long time ago at our baptism when we enrolled in Christ's army. That's why I said we are soldiers in Christ's army and promised to fight three things. Remember the day you're baptized and the bishop, the priest, marks your forehead with the cross of Christ and says, from this day, you're marked as Christ's own. It is in the 1928 prayer book, but it, it's now come back in the 2019. And the priest says, from now on, you're marked as Christ's own to go in the world to fight three things. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Reminiscent of the three temptations that the devil tried on Jesus. And so when we enrolled in Christ's army, we were enrolled to fight the devil, the world, and the flesh. We were never enrolled to fight one another. We were never enrolled to be public enemies, pursuers of each other. We have our guns ready like in the military language, ready to shoot, but not each other. But the enemy, who is the world, the world, the flesh, and the devil. We only have permission from Christ to fight these three things. And therefore, as soldiers in Christ's army, our role is to imitate, not to imitate each other, not to copy each other, not to do what the other person does, even as priests, even bishops. Don't imitate them. Imitate Christ. 
And when you do, you'll never get it wrong. One of the disappointments when you imitate us, when we go wrong somewhere, because we will, then you get, get disappointed. And that's when those who didn't know who to follow would say, I don't have nothing to do with Christian faith anymore. Look at that priest, what he did. But when you follow Christ, you never get it wrong. As Christians, we are active laborers in Christ's vineyard. We are prayer warriors in God's kingdom. And we are always aspiring for his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. But our home, our destiny, is not in this world. Remember that. That's why we are practicing these things. So that we are not left behind on the last day. Our kingdom, our home, is beyond the realms of this earth. Beyond the things we do here. So whether suffering, even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, suffering, we shall fear no evil. Because our Lord is with us. He has gone through everything that we go through. And therefore we have the resilience to know we will make it just like he did. That's why as Christians get involved in things of the world that eventually make them dirty and tarnished. One of the evils that every so often tempts us and takes us away from being the, the light the light that Advent reminds us, the light of the world, is our relationship with each other. Where people discriminate and hate each other just because of their skin color. And every so often I remind my Texan friends, and I want to leave it to you, North Carolinians, that if you want to make it to heaven, you must do what our Lord Jesus Christ did by hanging out with everybody. That includes hanging out with all God's children. Stop doing these exclusive things of white and black, people of color and the other races. Hang out together. Why? Because the last time I did my mathematics, I found that there are more people of color than there are Anglos. So if you want to make it to heaven, and you keep doing it right. God is going to park you in a permanent seat. And you're between 10 peoples of color. And the next one is so many levels away. And you say that is your permanent seat. Learn to live with them. So what do we do? As God's children, we learn to practice. Yes, practice heaven here on earth. Hang out, do holy things. Fight the devil. Love each other. After all, that was the greatest commandment. When we do that, the church here becomes a means of preparing us for here, because peace comes on earth. Remember the angels thank him, and also heaven becomes a positive anticipated place because we will make it. And those of you who want to make it with me, May God help us to be faithful, true lights of the gospel. And so the best way therefore, of observing Advent, Easter, Christmas, and other seasons of the church year, to be always actively involved in doing acts of salvation. We should stop leaving the blessings to Santa only 
and all of us be blessers of each other. All to the honor and glory of Jesus Christ, our Savior, now and forever. Amen.